right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 265 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Thursday, April 6th, 2003, 5.20 p.m. 2003? Did I? God, did I say 2003 again? (laughs) Why does the 20 elude me so? Whatever, guys, you know what fucking year it is. It's 2023. Even if I uh, even if I don't know, someone knows. Two, 2003. Damn, I'm doing a podcast uh, back when I was in junior high. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I was in like seventh or eighth grade or something like that. <laughs> no, I was in like eighth or ninth. I think I don't know. Oh man, uh, the Josh Flower Diaries were definitely in their in their oh, early phases. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, um, it's been a while. Um, it's been a while. Uh, yeah. Uh, we had some scheduling delays and stuff like that, so that's why we weren't able to do it last week, but uh, I just we were do, able to I find just, some time this week to, to do the podcast. My and, whole life is just karaoke DJ. That's all I do now. Yeah? Just that's all you do? Karaoke. No weddings anymore? No, not really with the weddings. Uh, it, it, well, for- I mean, is karaoke DJ and band member? Yeah. Yeah, that like for a while there, it was I'm in Orlando every fucking Saturday for a show, mm-hmm. and then when I'm not doing that, I'm hosting karaoke or I'm getting ready to host karaoke, and then at some point I carve out time to um you know make a YouTube video to try to yeah. keep that going, and that's pretty much my fucking yeah. life. And, th- I, and I'm then- a retail worker and a YouTuber and a podcaster. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, in between all that, that's, if you know, if we can squeeze a podcast in, then that's fine. But when yeah. we first started, even up until like a couple of years ago, um, <laughs> I had way less shit going on. Yeah. So. Yeah. So did I didn't have two jobs, so. You didn't but, have, a, you, you, know, you didn't have a single job. <laughs> no, I didn't have a single one. Exactly. I was just going to school. All right, so anyway, I guess I don't really have any really big updates for me. We want to get into this uh, episode, so we're revisiting the I-70 killer. This is the I-70 killer redux. Redux, yes. Mike found, uh, I guess you stumbled upon this uh, this show. Yeah, it was was listed on the Wikia, because I was thinking about just covering the Wikia, but I'm like, so much of it is just stuff we already really talked about. Uh, in in the little portion of a uh, podcast that we did on this case a long time ago, like years ago, like I think it was within like the first 100 episodes was when we initially talked about the I-70 killer case. And so I felt that it was a case that had enough updates on the Wikia and enough things like the Dark Minds episode that we really could have we could do a new and improved, you know. <laughs> Podcast. I don't know about improved, but it'll be new. It'll be new. It'll be new. Um, and so we watched uh, Dark Minds, and that show is something else. I mean, that's that's kind of what we're going to focus on is Dark Minds, kind of compare it a little bit to the Unsolved Mysteries take on the case, and then, you know, give you some updates. <laughs> but yeah, Dark Minds is some show that I, it was probably on Investigation Discovery or some shit. I don't know exactly what channel it aired on i watched it on amazon through discovery plus and it's hosted by this guy uh who this guy clearly wants to be john walsh 
but he looks like Guy Fieri. <laughs> he does. <laughs> so if that gives you a reference point to the listener out there, thank <laughs> Guy Fieri from Dive, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. And uh, <laughs> and this is the guy who's who we're supposed to be taking seriously as he talks yeah. about this like horrendous I-70 killer. Yeah, yeah. And boy, does he oversell his uh Yeah, the guy, M. William Phelps is the guy's name. He's got the Sugar Ray haircut, you know, with the dyed blonde, you know, stuff going on. He's got the uh, Hannah Montana era Billy Ray Cyrus soul patch. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Just, you know, like the what we called it in the late 90s, early 2000s, the penis haircut where it's just kind of parted <laughs> down the side. Uh, or parted down the middle, I should say. And, you know, it kind of waves out with the highlighted hair yeah. and all that. And now, he j- now, if you're on, if you're a judge on The Voice and you were in a former boy band, that's fine. That is the fine look mm-hmm. to have. Um, but if you're hosting a true crime show, you kind of want to, like, set yeah. the tone with your image. Robert yeah. Stack looked like a fucking invest, like a detective. Yeah. John like, Walsh looked the part on, on America's Most Wanted. Like, he wasn't, you know, he didn't have frosted tips. You I know? mean, Keith Morrison <laughs> on Dateline looks like a scary old man. I mean, they all they yeah. all fit the part of, like, okay, the, it makes sense that you're telling me about this. But then when the lead singer of, of Sugar Ray <laughs> is like, <laughs> Every morning there's a murder happens in a strip mall off the I-70D expressway. You know, it's like... yeah. You don't really want that. No. And we don't. covered, actually, I, I found it. We co- we fucking covered the I-70 killer all the way back in episode 23. Yeah. Yeah. Six years ago. Yeah, six years ago. And damn, we were fucking efficient or what or what, industrious, because yeah. not only did we cover that, we covered I, I, Aileen Conway and the Australian UFO yeah. all in one episode. Yeah. 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 We're not we were done. also younger. Yeah. <laughs> Right, six years. Had more younger. energy. For me, it, it was just I had all the time in the world. Yeah, that then. could be it. I was living at home, or was I living at home? I don't. I think I was. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. Was still living. at But home yeah, M. Then. William Phelps. Even that name, like, like, like M. William. Like what? Well, you know, M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan yeah. Ding dong. All of a sudden, yeah, M. Night Shyamalan over here. But yeah, M. William Phelps. He looks like he's like a lost member of Sugar Ray. And then yeah, and then you got the last. But name. he's trying to sound like a wannabe John Walsh. Like he's trying to be a tough guy, but he it's just not believable. There's even some moments where the camera's on him and he's saying his lines, where it almost looks like he's cracking up. Like even he doesn't take any of this seriously when it comes to his persona. Well, with the last name of Phelps, and you know, being from the Midwest or whatever, uh, that, yeah. that that. That doesn't have good connotations. No, the, uh, Westboro no. Baptist Church. Oh yeah, yeah. All the the Phelps is is. Uh huh. I don't even. How, I, I don't. I even, would honestly describe his narration as like an MTV VJ. Almost that kind of thing. I mean, he's trying. You know, like, he's, again, he's <laughs> he's got the wrong gig. He's trying to sound intense, but it sounds like he'd be more suited for. What's up, guys? I'm on the corner of a uh, fucking. Mardi Gras here at uh, yeah. Bourbon Street, and uh, 
Uh, this is MTV's crazy Bourbon Street weekend. Let's yeah. see some titties, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. That seems more exactly. his gig. It's not like, these brutal crimes were committed on the I-70. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But uh, he has uh, skin in the game. Didn't he say his sister was murdered or something? Yeah, something like that, I guess. And he knows a murderer, Raven. Yeah. He's like, obsessed with serial killers, and that's why he did this show. And yeah, he he knows this murderer named Raven, and man, he really has a hard on for this Raven guy because there's like Raven imagery throughout the entire fucking yeah. They episode. have like like clips of the actual bird, you know, like in this dark settings, like ravens. Like, I mean, of course, I wouldn't say any of this to Raven's face, but dude, you, your name, you sound like what are you, a professional wrestler in WCW? There is a there is a wrestler named Raven. I know. I know. <laughs> And he would be like, quote, the Raven, you know, it was just like yeah. so corny. But yeah, this guy named Raven, of course, he, they've got, they covered up his voice with, you know, the, the weird dubbing. So it Which is funny because it's funny because it's like, dude, you're already in jail. Like, what are they, <laughs> <laughs> what's going to happen? You know, maybe it's because he doesn't sound intimidating enough. Maybe they have to add like the extra processing because maybe he has like this. Well, when I kill people, I like to just strangle their neck and look at them right in the eyes, you know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's why. But uh, he, uh, M. William Phelps, he puts his sights on the I-70 killer. And this even has reenactments in it. And some of them actually aren't that bad. Like, some of them are kind of not the best. But honestly, I would take reenactments like this over what the new Unsolved Mysteries is doing, which is nothing. Which is nothing, yeah. I've been I've been hooked on the Dateline podcast lately. I'll shout out to that podcast. They mm-hmm. literally just take their episodes of Dateline and they just like rip the audio from it and they just slap it on <laughs> as a podcast. That's I yeah. love it. I love it because that's all I want. Like I don't want a lot of times when these like brands uh-huh. will make their own podcast of a of a show, but they do it different and they do it with like a different formula or whatever. It's like you already lost me because it's I mean, different. I mean, Mysteries did that. Yeah, and I I stopped listening after like we covered what four episodes or so. I, I yeah. just stopped listening because it wasn't it wasn't my cup of tea. Uh-huh. But yeah. on the fucking uh, the Dateline, they just literally rip the episode and just throw it on as a podcast, and it's like it's perfect. And they don't even try to like adjust it for like uh, like being audio only. They'll be like, as you can see here, this car, you can see the details. And it's like, <laughs> no, no, I can't. But I'll imagine a car with whatever you're talking about. But um, yeah, forgot yeah. where I was going with that. But yeah, oh yeah. So um, so I've been like all about the Dateline lately, and um. Honestly, I gotta say, and and I, I I used to have Hulu. You could watch, you could actually watch the show itself on mm-hmm. Hulu. I gotta say, the Dateline has has taken like they they're they're the ones with the 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 ball in their hands now, as far as like true crime shows are concerned. Um, like yeah, Unsolved Mysteries was great for its time, but like I really feel like Dateline brings a new, especially when Keith Morrison is doing the narration and the interviews and stuff. Um, because they got a bunch of different anchors that will handle certain cases, but I I really think Dateline NBC is is the the new goat um, currently. Um, I I can't uh-huh. think of a especially the uh, the Alex Murdoch case that they uh-huh. they did recently was really good. I don't know if you've been following that case at all. 
about no. the the rich uh no the rich uh hillbilly guy or I forget what state they were from but um yeah it was interesting because it was kind of like a twofer thing so like a couple of years ago they basically like this really prominent family and um fucking you maybe want to save your thoughts maybe for potentially another podcast or something yeah you might want to like so basically like the kid is drunkenly driving a boat and uh, has his friends on there on the boat, and they're all like advising him against even driving, but he's just a little shithead. Okay. And he hits like a bridge under a bridge or whatever, and uh, one of the friends, one of the girls, dies, and it's like the kid's okay. fault. And they made a whole episode about that. All right. But then, as of like last year, the dad ends up killing the son and his wife, uh, the son who drove the boat or whatever, um, and he just got charged guilty this, like, a couple of okay. weeks ago. It was this whole big thing, dude. It was really good. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not good that he did that. No, no. It's very um, but, compelling. All right, maybe maybe uh, we might, you know, cover that case for a future podcast, but going back to the I-70 killer... Um, for those of you that are maybe not aware of the case, uh, here's, a, here's a quick little summary. In the spring of 1992, a serial killer, he uh, went uh, through the Midwest, uh, mostly through I-70, and started shooting people. Uh, six victims uh, in total across three, straight, three states, and he shot them execution style in the back of the head with a gun. And the victims all worked in small stores, small retail stores, just blocks away from the I-70 freeway. And so Dark Minds covers uh, all the cases in terms of all the different murders, uh, even has reenactments of them, uh, just like the Unsolved Mysteries uh, uh, um, episode or segment that, that detailed this case. I think Unsolved Mysteries actually did a better job with some of the reenactments. Actually, I think the Unsolved Mysteries just did a better job, period, when it comes to the reenactment portion. Uh, because, you know, it's prime Unsolved Mysteries we're talking about. Yeah. So it just had that more mysterious, like, creepy edge to it and, and vibe. Uh, even though the reenactments were technically shorter, maybe not necessarily as detailed, it, it, it just felt like it had a little bit more of an impact and dark minds reenactments they were still kind of all right i guess for for what it is although there were some of the reenactments that suffer from like 2010s editing you know where, where they just try to do a little too much to try to emphasize the mood and they also did suffer from like like really just unfortunate music choices like i don't know what this music was half the time especially the one that played near the end of the episode that was like a choir like uh, what the fuck was that yeah i don't really remember the music that much <laughs> i remember i feel like they used the same like stabs that yeah all mystery shows use like the yes bling, you know the yeah. sudden sound yeah. so they cover these different cases, the different victims, the six victims. They interview one of the police captains, I think one of the main guys, uh, main men that is working on the that worked on the case and is continuing to work on the case, who apparently worked on the BTK killer uh, case 
and was uh, integral in getting him caught. And there's also this criminal profiler named John Kelly, who's featured uh, a lot throughout this episode, probably this guy, a lot throughout the show. This guy is so fucking creepy. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he's just like interview, like the Phelps guy, the host, Sugar Ray. Uh-huh. That's what I'm just going to call him just to make it easier. Like, <laughs> Sugar Ray is interviewing this guy, and this guy is like, oh, he did it for pleasure. He just wanted to put bullets in their head. And he's like staring right at the host, like with the, his like, you know, eyes kind of wider than what they should be. And just, you know, to drive home his point. And he's like just hamming it, hamming it up just for the, 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 case of hamming it up like he's gonna make the show better by being extra and it's like no dude you're just coming off as like a fucking cartoon character right now <laughs> he's relishing in 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 the opportunity to talk about these crimes yeah um i would rather have you know at least in a show like this that is already kind of goofy i'd rather have somebody you know kind of turning headlong into it further just to add to the entertainment value uh, then, you know, just kind of, you know, have, have this kind of set up and not really do a whole lot with it. But I, I, I found the guy kind of entertaining myself, but I, I don't blame you for finding it to be rather cringe. Yeah. Um, I do buy the, the idea that you're like, well, this guy's creepy, man. I wonder if he's the killer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's like he's sell he's like overselling it so much. I'm like, the, the, you are you the guy? You're, I mean, you're really like seeming like you're trying to prove a point of some kind. Yeah. So they talk to an investigator guy, and then they also interview some people, and and I actually think like these interviews with people who actually were involved in this case as witnesses or survivors. I think that's really like the the meat of of this episode is that stuff. Um. They interview uh, uh, Tim Hick- Hickman, who worked at the video store, and uh, he was there when he saw the guy who then went to the the shop next door and then shot the woman, who uh, Sarah Blessing, in the back yeah. of the head. When that, when that TV repair guy was being interviewed, like, the host was just really trying to get this guy upset. Like, he's like... yeah. He's like, so, so I could tell you're really bothered by this. And it's like, because the whole thing was, is like the repair guy was saying how his store was like next to yeah. the other store where the lady got shot by the I-70 killer. And the I-70 killer actually like locked eyes with this guy. But since the profile for the I-70 killer is that he's pretty much a pussy and he hates confrontation yeah. and all his victims are women because he's. He doesn't even want to have like confrontation with a male. Yeah, even like the one male uh, victim. Because uh, yeah, I he, didn't really catch this when they were talking about this on Unsolved Mysteries. Even yeah, the one he, male victim was a guy who had long hair and was skinny, and he worked at a at a ceramic shop. So the guy just assumed from the back that it was a woman, Mick. That Mick was a woman, and then shot. Yeah, fired, so, that, fired that shot and killed him. So the repair guy, you know, they lock eyes and then I-70 guy keeps walking because he's like, that's a male. I don't want to do anything with that guy. So then he goes to the store, you know, next to hit the repair guy's store and he caps the chick and she dies. And, um, you know, it's like, what, 20, 30 years later, he's being interviewed by Sugar Ray. 
And Sugar Ray's like, I could tell this really bothered you, didn't it? And he's like, yeah. Well, to be fair, he was already, like, choking up at that point when when the when sugar ray started asking that question it's not like he started choking up and getting emotional after he just felt like he was i just had like the feeling that he was kind of leaning into it a a bit you know and and then like you know the guy's like we need closure and then the host is like i think you need closure too yeah well i mean i don't think he was leaning into it any more than any other show like this does um and i really felt for tim Because he's like, oh, you know, I I wish it was me. You know, I didn't have anybody. I didn't have a family. You know, that kind of thing. I was alone. And you definitely felt for the guy. Because you can tell that this is something that, you know, he's carried with him for a long time. So you had uh, the survivor. Her name is uh, Vicky. Vicky Webb. And uh, I-70 killer walked up to her. And shot her in the back of the neck. She then decided to play dead, which is a smart thing to do. But the I seventy killer was like, ah, don't don't buy it. And then dragged her into the into a back room, and then pointed the gun at her head. Like this is just horrifying to think about it. And he was gonna shoot her in the head, and and then she would have been dead for sure. But he was out of bullets. Or the gun just jammed. And then somebody then somebody drove into the parking lot of the store and then he just ran off. And Vicky, she's interviewed in this episode of Dark Minds. And I think her interview is probably the best one, like the mo- one that has like the most detail, the most meat to it. Because she talks about, you know, what was going on through her head when it comes to uh, the attack and... Talks about how because of a anatomic anomaly when it comes to her spinal column that like there's something that happened where it's larger than normal that saved her life because it made it so the bullet went like in between two of the vertebrae and didn't like completely sever her her, uh, spinal cord. And and at the time she was also paralyzed because temporarily paralyzed because of the damage to the spinal cord. So she's just laying there and <laughs> she's helpless. The guy's dragging her to the back, gun to her head. I mean, oh my God. I'm just, I just can't even imagine like the, the, just what is going through your head at that moment. That's probably like, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm dead. It sucks too. Cause it's like, you know, you, you, you could choose to not end my life. It's all, my life mm-hmm. is in your hands and like the complete powerlessness. Yes. Of that would is like a terrifying thought. And, and definitely because you can't do anything about it either. You can't fight back. That's the other thing. Like you can't fight back because you're paralyzed. She made a full recovery, which is awesome. Like the uh, three months she was in the hospital for like three months, then, you know, did rehab and she's able to walk again. And I think that's really cool. Uh, she still has the bullet in her spine. And the police were like, hey, we want that bullet. She's like, no, <laughs> you're not getting that bullet. Keep it until the day I die. Yeah. Because um, they probably want to see if it has jeweler's rouge on it. That's another thing about Dark Minds. They try to make a big deal about certain little minor things to try to make it like more spooky or, or mysterious. 
And like, there's even a point where somebody even in the episode, like just says, it's probably not that big of a deal. Cause all these other fire, you know, firearm enthusiasts use it too. So it's not really a smoking gun. You know, like I, I think the host himself even said that it's like, okay, why make a big deal about jewelers rouge then? Yeah. Jewelers rouge is what uh, jewelers use to polish metal and a lot of gun enthusiasts yeah. use it as well. And all this, all the casings to these guys, uh, to the bullets that this guy left behind or whatever, had the red markings on it that come yeah. from Jewelers Rouge. Yeah, and they were. Uh, I, I mean, I, they are. I guess they were trying to say that, like, you know, that's part of his like yeah. M- mo or whatever. Yeah, and, like, yeah but they like profile. they like blew it up like it was like this big deal. <clears throat> Um, his MO was just going around and just shooting people and then running off like a coward. Cause it is that sort of thing where he, unlike a lot of other serial killers, I bet he does get like a thrill out of it, but he doesn't want to be that involved with the killing. He wants to pop somebody in the back of the head, then run. Yeah. He's not he going to like take his time with them and torture no. them and sexually abuse no. them and all that. Although I think he tried to change his MO after the papers started to get wind of what he was doing and the media and everything, the Unsolved Mystery segment. Because the stuff with Vicky and the other three people that were killed that investigators feel is is uh, a crime or a series of crimes that, are, that should be attributed to the I-70 killer, those had a different weapon. And so I think he was trying to change his MO, like, so they would maybe think that it wasn't him. Um, so, or maybe he just felt it was starting to get stale. Like, oh, now, now everybody knows about me. Da, 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 da. Maybe he likes to be more in the shadows type thing. So he tried to use a, a new, uh, he used a new weapon, but then he's like doing stuff where he took, Vicky's pants off and and left her with her pants off and I'm wondering if that's because he's trying to add another thing to try to you know confuse investigators to think maybe you know it was a sexual assault and that doesn't tie into the MO that he was showing previously so a definitely red, a red herring if you will yeah it definitely does seem like the guy is putting a lot of thought into stalking these 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 victims and then finding the right time to kill them which is like the slowest part of the day and as somebody who works in retail this is just terrifying this is a terrifying <laughs> thought like you, you you're working on a slow day at work and you just and, and like there is nothing you could do like some guy could probably walk into the craft store with a fucking gun take take you to the back shoot you run off and then it'd be like well all right <laughs> I guess I guess it's over. Like that's just that's just that's just scary. Well, that's and, a real and, fear. And he, yeah, the sh- the show kind of says it without saying it, but like th- this dude was mainly targeting like shit shitty little tchotchke kind of stores. Yeah. Like it, like the TV repair guy even said like yeah, he's like there was no money in those drawers. There's no, no way there was any money. Yeah, <laughs> that shop sucked. Nobody ever shopped there, you know, like it was like, so anything you're any, any of that shit at your grandma's house on the mantle, that's (laughs) just like, ugh, that's such a crappy grandma thing that only grandma's like those, those kind of stores. That's where Uh he targeted the kitschy, 
sort of stuff. But he also yeah. tar- targeted, you know, a bridal uh, a shop. And that's where he, there was the first guy who, who saw him. I love yeah. that name, LaBride. Yeah, the first the first uh, guy who uh, uh, actually got a glimpse of his face, who was just trying to pick up a cummerbund. And that's where I think that's definitely where they get the theory that he he just can't can't handle conflict, especially dealing with you know other men, because you know they had the guy who comes in to get his cummerbund, and then he's just like, hey, I'm not gonna say anything. Uh, because at first the I seventy killer's like, "Hey, Get in come the back. with me. I need to escape." And yeah, he knew that that's not how that was gonna go down. Exactly, and, yo man, no. I didn't see nothing. I ain't gonna tell nobody anything, you know. And he's like, "All right, go." Which, yeah, you know, smart, smart on that guy. Yeah, exactly. Very smart. So, um, I would say the reenactment on Unsolved Mysteries was a lot better with that whole bridal shop scene. Yeah, than what they tried to do in, in Dark Minds. In fact, that's that's like one of only two scenes I even remember from the reenactment of Unsolved Mysteries. So that's how I know it like stuck out. Mm-hmm. Now, I I don't really know what else to say about the Dark Minds episode except. It was it was kind of entertaining. Like it, I, I did appreciate the fact that you had a little some extra interviews, some extra stuff with some of the investigators. I really could have dealt without, uh, you know, the Guy Fieri, Sugar Ray kind of host with his over emotive narration, just sounding and, corny and, and again, as hell. Like I'm not trying to pick on the guy. I'm not trying to be mean, but like you you dress for the job that you have, you know, and you. And I basically say that to say that, like, you know, if you're going to go with a certain theme for a show, you kind of want to, like, play the part or look the part. And this guy just completely does not. I think you said earlier, like, this guy looks like he would be belong on the Food Network. He does. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just like you do not look the part at all of anybody who should be doing a true crime show. That'd be like the man versus food guy doing a true crime show. (laughs) Yeah, like it just, you'd be like, "What?" It just doesn't. It's like epic meal time does not need to be solving crimes. They'd just be like, you know, the I seventy killer is a white male between five foot five and six foot. He has a slender to medium build, weighs between one hundred forty to one hundred eighty pounds. We thought to be in his late twenties or thirties. That's fucking crazy, guys. And we're gonna figure out what happened. But make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. You are watching <laughs> Deadly Minds. You know. <laughs> So, um, I don't have much else to say about the Dark Minds episode, um, but, uh, got a few little extra stuff in the wiki here. I'm gonna pop my pizza in the oven while you do that. Alright, because there's some stuff about, uh, you know, the information about the suspect. Uh, they think the I-70 killer is a shorter male, that he has a slender to medium build, Weighs between 140 180 pounds. He has short tinted reddish or sandy hair, uh, stubble, uh, thin lips, a high forehead. What witnesses describe as a lazy, as lazy or droopy eyelids. Um, some people also have the theory that he might be uh, uh, a former vet. He might have been in the military, and and that's why he he snapped and. And did all this because of the fact that the location that he's at, there's a lot of different military bases and there's a lot of different military uh, connected stuff going on. That's a possibility, but I, I, 
part of me just doesn't think that this guy is like a guy who suffered from PTSD. I think that's just a, I think that's a bit of a stretch, but you know, it's possible, but I, I think the guy's just, I think he's just out, out of his mind. I think he's just crazy. Just your typical sort of, uh, sociopathic whack job who decided to start killing somebody or started killing and then decided he liked it and then decided to keep going. Kind of like what the Raven guy said in Dark Minds, where he was saying, you know, hey, you know, once you get past the the, the initial uh, block that you might have in your mind when it comes to killing somebody, then it becomes something that you can just deal with. Uh, at least if you're that type of person or that type of personality or you have that kind of mindset. Which and you are. No, not at all. So that leads to, you know, serial killers, because serial killers, they, they can just move on. They can move on from killing somebody like I-70 killer, just shoot somebody in the back of the head and just, you know, move on to, you know, having lunch, you know, at the local diner, you know, that kind of thing. Like nothing, nothing ever happened. So yeah. they were saying that he was seeing, uh, he was wearing, a you know, a, a, a brown jacket, dark slacks, black shoes, appeared to be almost in a trance as if he were thinking of something else. He may be comfortable with the Indianapolis area. I don't know what that means. He may have lived in an area alongside Interstate 70. They also say he might be a collector of antique or unique firearms. As I guess he wasn't using new guns. Yeah, apparently he didn't dress new either because the uh, one lady who survived was like, he very much dressed like he was from the 80s. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. So although the killer took small amounts of money from each of the victims, robbery is not believed to be his motive. The stores he targeted were generally not the type that would have large amounts of cash in hand. In at least one case, a victim's purse was untouched. None of the victims were sexually assaulted. Some investigators believe that he committed these murders simply because he enjoys killing. They've described him as an organized, cold-blooded psychopath. Yeah, that's 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 a good way to put it. Pretty accurate, yeah. FBI agents also created a psychological profile of the killer. They believe that in the months prior to the murders, he fantasized about killing. He savored the sense of being superior to his victims because he was able to end their lives. This is like an interesting job. Like the psychological profiler to me. It's an interesting job because it's like what necessarily goes into it and also like how do you prevent yourself from not being affected by putting yourself into that mind space oh i think that about like cops morticians Mm -hmm. uh you know all those people who have to uh, er uh operators Mm -hmm. like that's that's something i think about for all those jobs where extreme things can happen that you have to like live with but this is like strictly like psychological. Like you're in your he- own head. Did you t- and you're did, doing? Did you go into the bit about how they they pretty much believe that like this guy was like bullied and picked on? No, and- I didn't go with that. I talked about that he. They think he might have been a vet. I I don't necessarily buy that. that Raven Raven that thought went, he he was went nuts. Uh, Raven had the theory that he was like a veteran or something mm-hmm. like that from the like the Desert Storm or yeah or, or well, no it wasn't. Yeah, Desert Storm. Yeah, it would have been Desert Storm because it was early 90s. But um, the profiler was saying that, like, this guy was bullied and, you know, picked on. And Is now he short? He's, yeah, he was, like, 5'7 or whatever. And, and, like, so he 
basically were, was murdering the women who rejected him because he had a type because like all the women yeah. they killed were like you know petite brown shoulder length hair yada yada uh-huh. yada so like the girls that basically if josh flower from the josh flower diaries <laughs> never never gained any kind of perspective uh-huh. uh you know uh, he could have very he went well from became. burning things to killing animals and then decided to you know move up to shooting people in the back of the head <laughs> You, you know, quite po- if 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 I had never gotten laid, who knows what would have happened? You know, <laughs> I'm just maybe like Elliot Roger. <laughs> I'm just I'm just kidding. Though, anyway, I'm not going to incriminate myself by saying anything. <laughs> there were some things I did as a teenager that uh, I, know. I, I am totally not proud of. Uh, no. that I don't want to relitigate mm-hmm. on here. So I'm not going to bring that back up. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. I. Uh, I, I never, never wanted. To, well, no, that's not true. I did want to uh, kill a kid when I was. But I think, I think everybody <laughs> growing up wants to like, you know, if especially if you're bullied, you have fantasies of like, or maybe that's just me. I don't know. Like, I definitely did think about like, mm. man, it would be so like mm. sweet to like stick a shotgun down this dude's throat and pull a trigger. I mean, Ooh. dude, I was getting bullied really bad. Ooh. Okay, like, uh, I know, but. Yeah, I wasn't gonna do it. Oh, I, know, I know the ideation was, but that's kind of there. that's kind of where you know the, the Columbine kids. Well, it's what were, separates the psychopaths. What's what separates the psychopaths from the functioning psychopaths? Mm-hmm. You don't actually do it. You think it, but you don't do it. You see. So that's what I'm saying. Is like, how do these psychological profilers like? How do they keep their own sanity? You know, doing this kind of stuff. They're just, that's just how base they are, man. Base. <laughs> it's, a, it's a new internet term I found out the other day is, oh man, you're so based. Yeah. I, I've seen it used a lot for like politics, you know, talking about political topics and whatever. It's basically the opposite of like cringe. It's it's mm-hmm. like you're so, you're so uh, on point. And Although factual. I think some people who are called based can be plenty cringe but anyway uh yeah the fbi agency created a psychological profile said they said that he savored the sense of being superior to his victims because he was able to end their lives he also enjoyed being able to elude the authorities they also suggested that he may have chosen a specific type of victim based on a person who had wronged him you know like you said uh police believed that the killer stalked at least some of his victims watching them as they worked and casing the area um this is why some people had this mindset of oh he's He's approaching these these murders like he's a hitman, like he's a professional. Yeah, they he primarily targeted uh, young petite brunette women working alone in small stores located in strip shopping malls along Interstate seventy or Interstate thirty five. All of the stores were close to the interstates, with some just being a block from an off ramp. All of the victims were shot point blank at least once in the temple or in the back of the head. All of the victims except Mick were shot in the back rooms of the stores. All the shootings occurred in the afternoon. Police believe that killer may be a traveling salesman, a hitchhiker, or a truck driver based on his ability to quickly travel from each crime scene. He may have connections in the military as several of the murders have taken place near military bases. Uh, this is also uh, why there was a speculation that he might be suffering from PTSD. Jeff Myros, who worked across the street from Robin, reported seeing a strange man in the area shortly before her murder. The man was wearing a green jacket and carrying a three feet long bag. I think Robin was the one. I think it might have been the first victim. 
or definitely one of the first uh, six. Uh, he looked like he had been sleeping in his clothes. Jeff assumed he was a hitchhiker. He came from a direction of Interstate 465, which intersects with Interstate 70. The man stopped in front of Jeff's store, then circled the building repeatedly before sitting on a nearby curb for a half an hour. While sitting there, the man stared at the Payless store and rifled through his bag. He also talked to himself and was giggling. Creepy. He was not nervous and did not seem to be in a hurry. Jeff believes that the man was either high on drugs or had mental problems. I'm pretty sure the I-70 killer has confirmed mental problems. Uh, at around 2 p.m., the man left the curb. A few minutes later, Jeff witnessed him calmly trying to hitch a ride going north back towards Interstate 465. Robin was found dead thus than an hour later. Suspected serial killer Herb Baumeister from Westfield, Indiana. He was considered a suspect in the I-70 killer case. He physically resembled the killer. Lazy eyelids, reddish hair, similar build. However, he was never questioned in the case. In July of 1996, he fled to Canada and committed suicide after several sets of skeletal remains were discovered on his Westfield estate. The bones belonged to 11 men, eight of whom have been identified. All were believed to have been picked up by Bonemeister and gay bars during the early 1990s. He is also... Yeah. He is also suspected of dumping several victims along Interstate 70. However, the fact that all of his victims were men and nearly all of his I-70 killer's victims were women leads police to believe he was not involved in the latter cases. I... I feel the same way. It's very rare that a serial killer will like just cut, just switch like that. Go from just shooting predominantly gay men to going and shooting uh, uh, women. Donald Waterhouse, Waterhouse was also considered a suspect in the case. On February 29th, 1992, one month before the murders began, he shot and killed his mother and stepfather in their Dyersburg, Tennessee home. Like the I-70 victims, they were shot in the head with a 22 caliber weapon. Waterhouse vanished. His truck was later found abandoned near Interstate 70 in East St. Louis, Illinois. In October, a few months after the murder stopped, he was arrested in Oklahoma. Along with being at large during the murder spree, he also fit the physical description of the killer. And he resembled the composite. However, he was later ruled out as a suspect. And here is the update portion. It's pretty lengthy, actually. Um, after the Unsolved Mysteries uh, segment, the killer struck again. That's where he uh, uh, targeted 22-year-old Amy Vess, who was working at Dancer's Closet, a dancewear shop in Texas. Uh, this is the one where she had the day off, but she agreed to come in. Like That's just awful. That's like, oh, you know, I don't have to come in to work today, but, you know, I'll, I'll just come in, you know, help out a friend, and then, oh, I guess that's the day that I die. That sucks. Talk, talk, literally talk about I wasn't supposed to be here today. Exactly. And that was supposed to be the original ending of Clerks. Did you know that? The original ending of Kevin Smith's Clerks is that Dante gets shot by a robber. Well, I will dies. say if that if that did happen, then uh, there there would have never been a Clerks 2 or 3. So uh, yeah. that, that might have been the better ending. <laughs> I don't understand people who defend Clerks 2. Like that movie is. I, I don't mind Clerks 2. It's kind of fun. Uh, it's all oh, it's, it's in color now and mm-hmm. they're these lame like toilet humor jokes that are like like way too forced compared to the first movie yeah there, there are some more... really bad jokes in that I, I have to admit yeah the first movie felt very organic and lived in and the second movie just feels like this big Hollywood production that's trying to be funny and then there's Instead... like a musical number randomly <clears throat> yeah 
What did you watch that recently? <laughs> no, I just remember how bad oh, it was okay. from a, a long time ago. Oh, you just... think that's bad? Why do you watch Clerks three? <laughs> oh, I won't be watching. I will not be watching Clerks three because as much as I hated <laughs> Clerks two, uh, there's no way I'd give the third one a chance. So yeah, uh, uh, that afternoon, uh, May and Andrew uh, dancers closet and then shot um, uh, Amy twice in the head. Uh, she was able to call nine one one, but uh, the paramedics they got to her and then she still died the next day. A different gun was used uh, in the murder. The MO was very similar, so that's why police were, were sure that it was the same killer. Uh, 51-year-old Marianne Glasscock, she ran a store called Emporium Antiques in Fort Worth. And uh, she was killed while she worked alone in the store. A, a friend came to visit that afternoon and then found her body. 35-year-old Vicki Webb, she was the one uh, that survived. She owned a, a shop called the Alternate Gift Shop. I don't, I don't know what kind of name that is. And she was shot in the back of the neck and then survived. She described her assailant as in his mid-30s, about 5'8", thin, almost gaunt and tan with a weathered look. Based on his appearance, she believed he worked somewhere outside. He had long, shaggy blonde hair. He was wearing a beige old-time cardigan sweater and brown cowboy roper boots. He walked bow-legged. She thought he looked like a jockey. Authorities have yet to determine whether or not the Texas shootings were committed by the I-70 killer. No physical links, no physical evidence actually links the crimes. Texas authorities do not believe that they are related. Authorities investigating the I-70 cases, on the other hand, believe they are linked. They note that like in the I-70 cases, all the Texas victims were clerk shot in the head. Overall, there are many similarities between the two sets of crimes. They also suspected the killer may have switched to a different weapon, like we were talking about. Authorities have continued to investigate the case over the years. Hairs and fibers, among other evidence, have been analyzed by the FBI using new technology. In May of 2012, the St. Charles Police Department released information about the gun used in the I-70 murders. It was most likely an Irma Work ET-22, an antique German handgun. However, an Intratech Tech-22, also known as a Scorpion, has not been ruled out. They actually mentioned the Scorpion in the Dark Minds episode. The ammunition was CCI brand... 22 caliber long rifle with copper clad lead bullets. The bullet casings had been rubbed with corundum and jewelers rouge. Um, apparently jewelers rouge is actually used to polish the feed ramp on semi-automatic weapons so that the bullet will slide easily into the chamber. In October, 2021, the St. Charles police department released age progressed composites of the killer. Um, at the same time terry hout police announced that they were looking at a killer at the killer is the suspect in the murder of billy brossman at around 6 30 p.m on november 30th 2001 a man entered the 7th and 70 liquor store on the Perrotin road and terry hout and shot billy to death security camera video showed the killer entered the store grabbed some beer then approached the counter once there he pulled out a gun billy gave him the cash register which he took some money from he then forced billy into the back of the store where he shot him once in the back of the head he then ran from the store, leaving the beer and most of the money behind. Interestingly, the store was located close to Inter Interstate 70. It was also located less than a mile from Sylvia Ceramics, where Mick was killed. Police noticed several similarities between Billy's murder and others. They also noted that, that his killer resembled the composite sketch of the I-70 killer, which the, 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 the composite sketch looks like an average, like, kind of you know normal white looking guy. guy white guy right really he yeah. that composite sketch could like fit for so many white men 
The first, the very first image looks like Eric Trump. <laughs> the second one looks like uh, some inbred doofus. <laughs> so the police uh, believe the killer most likely lived and worked in the area, uh, in the Terry Hout area around the time of the murder. Tips led Terry Hout police to a suspect in Billy's case. Several people knew the suspect, said the man matched in the, matched in the video. The suspect was questioned by police. He said that he worked for a large department store and traveled the country doing remodeling jobs for them. He also said he had had been in Terry Hout in 2001 when Billy's murder took place. However, authorities felt that they did not have enough evidence to connect him to Billy's murder or the I-70 cases. Also, they have yet to confirm that his murder is connected to the others. I mean, I could see it being connected to the I-70 killings. Like, he's older now, but like people say, like, you never really lose that urge entirely. And so maybe... Well, there's also, it's also been said... As killers get older and they stop, they 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 hit a that mellowing too. out period. That that too, but that kind of <laughs> happened for BTK until he got too cocky, and and he felt like people weren't talking about him enough, and then he decided to come out of the woodwork again, um, and start killing, or uh, or he was planning to, um, so it can happen both ways. So I I do buy that. Yeah, you know they can mellow out, but some of them might not. Like, this guy doesn't seem like he fits the same sort of MO as some of these other serial killers. So he doesn't necessarily, it's more of like a quick thrill for him. So maybe, like, it, it's a lot easier for him to just fall back into it. Goes into the store, gonna get some beer, you know, and then he sees the guy, and it's like on I-70, and then he's like, oh, you know what would be fun? To shoot this guy in the back yeah. of the head. Yeah. So, um, his killer is also described as a white male, five eight, six foot tall, with medium build and thinning hair. May have been wearing a wedding ring. But in November of 2021, authorities from Indianapolis, Wichita, Terry Hout, St. Charles, and Raytown they met together in St. Charles to review the cases. Federal authorities were also involved in the meeting. In February of 2022, all of the agencies involved in the investigation sent away pieces of evidence for DNA testing. In Mick's case, they sent the pants he was wearing when he was killed, and it is believed that the killer touched his pants pocket when he grabbed his wallet. In the Mager Smith case, they, they sent a wedding veil, which the killer apparently used to hold his gun. Today, the killer would most likely be in his 50s or 60s. His hair may now be gray. A $25,000 reward is being offered in his case. And uh, several of the relatives of the victims have passed away. Uh, without seeing the case solved, including Sarah's husband, Sonny, uh, Patricia Smith's father, Bob Trendle, and both of Mick's parents. It'd be nice if the killer would just pass away. He might yeah. have already. Yeah. Like, there was that might theory have. that he might have killed himself. Or a lot of times, these guys get incarcerated for for another reason. Yep. And then, you know, because that, that's happened a lot on Unsolved Mysteries. It's like, the murderer was already in jail on a different charge, yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada. So here's something completely different that I found might be fun. In my Uncle John's uh, book reader that I w- was reading when I was yeah. doing a di- diarrhea dump earlier, <laughs> um, the cable channel TLC, which used to stand for, well, I guess the learning channel, the learning channel, used to air educational programs and kids shows. But over the past decade, it seems to have expanded the definition of learning mm-hmm. with some of the weirdest reality TV shows on TV. Here's a sampling. All of these are real. Best funeral ever. Dr. Pimple Popper. Yeah. 
Dr. Pimple Popper is a huge hit show. It started out as a big YouTube show, and then it turned into its own TV series. Really? My mom watches that. She's watched like a ton of episodes of there's that show. A lot of, there's a lot of mainly women, for some reason, I know, that love watching YouTube videos of that shit. I, I just find it fucking disgusting, personally. Uh, my 600-pound life, obviously, yeah, I, I that's, haven't seen that's, that one. That's been like a huge like breakaway hit for TLC. The 685-pound teen, secretly pregnant, freaky eaters. Oh, secretly pregnant? I wonder if that's like a tie into the show. I didn't know I was pregnant. Because that's oh, a show, I, too. I believe that's on this list. Uh, <laughs> the boy with a tumor for a face. I've seen Freaky Eaters before. Actually, it, it was a very short-lived show. And it was kind of a show that was... It, it seemed like they were trying to do My Strange Addiction... But like it was for people who were like really picky with eating or or ate weird amounts of stuff, like this guy yeah. who would eat nothing but fast food burgers and I fries. Mean, that, that could be me. And then, you know, he was just morbidly obese and like super overweight. And so they had like a therapist come in and like a weight expert guy, and they did this whole like big stunt where they took like. All the burgers and fries that he, they they uh, estimated that he ate during a year, they stacked them on top of each other on this table outside. They always do that kind of shit yeah. for those shows. So then we have um, hoarding buried alive. I yes, I've seen that. Yeah, that's that's a tough show to watch, but it's it's a it's a it's that's actually the. That's a different kind of show than hoarding hoarders, which is on A and E. Like that one's even more like harder to watch because they don't really show a lot of the attempts to rehabilitate there the was hoarders. Some lady, there was some lady who literally saved her shit in jugs. Yeah, like her her actual yeah. fecal excrement. Yeah, a lot of these hoarder shows, like it's it's a like a really rough loss, some kind of psychological uh, uh, coping mechanism yeah. that forms after you know they lose somebody that they love or there's something that happens like abuse or something along those lines and it turns into a coping mechanism that's why they hoard and it's a psychological disorder that is the crux of the hoarding and so you can get rid of all of the stuff but if you don't focus on building back up the person or you know giving them help or providing opportunity for them to get help, then it's going to build back up. And sadly, there's a lot of instances with the hoarder show where, I mean, people like they have like an update and then it's just like back to what it was. And, and the, the, the city has to come in and basically condemn it, condemn it. I got to grab my pizza out of the oven. Hold on. Mm Mm-hmm. Another show on the TLC network, Mike, Extreme Couponing. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Extreme Couponing? Yeah, I've seen that one, too. Uh, Extreme Couponing, I think it, it's kind of like, it's very similar to Extreme Cheapskates. Um, Extreme Couponing, I've seen a few episodes of that. It's, it's, a lot of, it's just ridiculous. It's usually women, sometimes it's men, but it's these... People who are just obsessed with getting good deals. And so they buy obscene amounts of a product because it's a good deal. Then they store it somewhere. 
and they brag about how much money they saved. What they really like is when they have like a long receipt and then the 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 cashier has to give them money back because it's like a negative sort of balance. And I'm just like I feel so bad when I watch the these episodes of this show, I feel so bad for the clerks who work at these stores having to deal with these extreme couponers. That that's that's one of the things that definitely stands out the most to me is like the just the the sheer absurd amounts of the product that they get like fifty you know things of toothpaste or whatever or some of this other stuff oh it was a really good deal and uh they they are one step away from being a hoarder to be yeah. perfectly honest here's one that I saw um I that, was talking that... about the the uh, clerks who work at the, the, the stores during these extreme couponing oh, episodes. Yeah. Like, I've just felt so bad for the... Can, can you imagine being in that? Like, the camera's on you. Oh, I was... You got yeah, this... I was... I had the fucking coupon moms and coupon yeah. dads that would come into CVS and have all their bullshit, and it's like, dude, I would rather pay more to save on having to, like, procure all those coupons like uh-huh. all that shit they send you in the mail and then like all the you know whatever and then like cutting it out man yeah. this one woman several of these women would have these binders yeah that's extreme plastic. couponing yeah 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 and and but this was like i saw it and like it was just fucking ridiculous and it's like and then you end up buying like multiple things of shit you don't need at, at the moment but eventually you'll need it so it's like oh it's just like fuck it i would rather pay more to avoid all that <laughs> honestly up next we have extreme cheap skates yeah which is i mentioned I just- that one because it's kind of uh you know the kind of the the show uh, extreme couponing is kind of similar extreme cheapskates i've seen quite a few episodes of that one that one was embarrassed this one episode this dad like went up to this tape this people at a restaurant and they it looked like they were donating he's like hey are you gonna finish that yeah and they're like oh no you can have it and he literally like get like puts a to-go box uh-huh. or whatever it's like so his kids are like all humiliated yeah. and shit. or the lady <laughs> we- who she cooks uh salmon in the dishwasher oh yeah. god <laughs> We have Extreme Cougar Wives. Don't know what that show could be about. Uh, Mall Cops, Mall of America. (laughs) Living for the Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. Little little Chocolatiers. Little Parents, Big Pregnancy. Little or Big Hair Alaska. Big Hair Alaska? I imagine that's like little kids and beauty pageants. Or, Or it's a hairdressing show. Yeah, Alaskan, like in Alaska. Alaskan women looking for love. These are all on TLC. My Strange Addiction, that's one we all know. We've all seen that one. People uh, eating dryer lint or whatever uh, the hell yeah. it was. <laughs> Sex sent me to the ER. Yeah, that one's crazy. That's a crazy show. I, shit, I was about to be like, this one sounds made up. And you, Mike's over here like, no, I've seen, I, I own the whole box set. <laughs> there is no box set. But no, I've seen I've seen quite a few episodes of that one as well. Strange sex. Yeah. My my teen is pregnant and so am I. <laughs> I didn't know I was pregnant. Yeah, that's the one where there's a woman, she thought that she was just like constipated or she just had like she just, you know, was eating too much and she was clearly pregnant. And then she just went to the bathroom and then shat out she thought she shat out a baby. You know, in Which- the toilet. Which she did she or did she not? She didn't. It didn't come out that way. Of course not. 
But, you know, she was going to the bathroom and then a baby came out. Ugh. Anyway, um, Virgin Diaries, the, also known oh, as the, the Josh per- Flower, the jo- perks of being a Josh Flower, aka <laughs> Dancing Tweens. That sounds like a show that pedophiles oh, across yeah. America for. Sister Wives. Yeah, I remember hearing. I'm about guessing that, one. that has to do with Mormon or uh, Church of Latter Day Saints. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, seeking Sister Wife. And then we have its companion show, Brother Husbands, <laughs> Breaking Amish. I actually liked Breaking Amish. I watched mm-hmm. that show quite a bit. There's I, a I documentary did. that I watched. I forgot the name of it, but it was a documentary I watched for uh, a class in college. And it was about, you know, the Breaking Amish sort of thing. And then we got 90 Day Fiance. I've seen that one. There, I think H3H3. With Ed and his mayonnaise hair. Uh, is it? Yeah, I don't know which one. It was some guy who was in love with his car. And he like, anyway. Well, there is uh, another, like, what, My Strange Addiction? Some guy was literally in love with his car. Yeah, maybe that's where it was <laughs> Next, we have Honey, We're Killing the Kids. Ew. No idea what that show could be about. Uh, Little Shop of Gypsies, Fast Food Babies, Pete Rose, Hits and Misses, but it's spelled M-R-S, like his wife or something. Mm-hmm. Former smokers. I eat thirty three thousand calories a day. Jesus. My my five wives. Potty power. Sex tuplets take New York. My feet are killing me. Uh, our twin sane wedding. I guess twins getting married. The house or the spouse house. Uh, suddenly rich. America's worst tattoos and policewoman of Cincinnati. So those are some <laughs> shows on the Learning Channel. <laughs> you guys well you are learning about some things but not necessarily you know so anything about history or science or you know what it initially was set up because i remember watching like er like it was like uh what was it life trauma trauma life in the yeah trauma life in the er that's what i remember tlc for stuff like that back in the day yeah um, so I, my delicious pizza is done, and I'm smelling the fragrance of it from my kitchen. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put an end to this. Podcast All right, that's right fine. Now. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's the show. Make sure you check us out on our uh, Patreon. It's uh, Patreon.com/slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. If you want to help us out in the finances, um, our you our fucking Facebook uh, group. If you want to join our group, that's the easiest way to reach us, and you know. Talk to the group, share stories, whatever the fuck. You know, just don't be an asshole. Go to Facebook and search Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries, and our group will pop up. And just answer a few questions, and you're in. Um, And on YouTube, if you like me and Mike, but you want to see our separate endeavors, we have YouTube channels that we've put in many years and a lot of work into. In (laughs) fact, I'm almost at 10,000 subs. I remember when when you hit 10,000 subs like years ago or whatever, Mm -hmm. and me me thinking like, damn, that must be nice. But like like when you keep gaining subscribers, you just get kind of jaded to it. It's just like, yeah, whatever. You know, like what would be a big deal to like a smaller YouTuber? You're just like, ah, nothing really changes. It's all bullshit. But anyway, our YouTube channels, uh, Mike, he's the movie guy. His channel is youtube.com slash OCP communications. Once again, youtube.com slash OCP communications. What was the last video you did, Mike? 
Last video I did is a rant on a really lame, just awful direct-to-streaming action film called Pursuit, starring Emile Hirsch and John Cusack. And John Cusack is looking rather rough nowadays. Yeah, I was going to say, he's still acting, apparently. And it just seems like what he's doing is just paycheck rolls. No, that's sad. You hate to see it. Yeah. Uh, uh, my channel is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. Once again, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. That's also my band. We're on Spotify, YouTube, Apple, Google, anywhere you get music. Um, but my channel, though it does have our music videos on there, I also do commentary videos, uh, music based like reviews. Uh, the last video I did was, um, Radio talk show host Eddie Trunk is, like, always railing against bands that use backing tracks. And I basically make a rebuttal video to where it's like, okay, can you please take your boomer energy and go elsewhere with that whole debate? Because every rock band uses tracks for the most part these days. Get used to it. And I also try to distinguish the difference between using backing tracks in your live set and actually lip syncing to your songs mm -hmm. there's a two completely different things and one is fine and the other is complete bullshit it is complete bullshit to pay money to see a band and say kiss for example because they've been doing this for years now to see paul stanley up there singing his songs and it's a fucking uh a recording of him when he could actually sing mm -hmm. and he's up there that now they say that he sings along with the backing track, but even still, like you're saying he's singing along with the backing track. What's the mix? Is it like seventy thirty, like seventy percent backing track, thirty percent live, to where you can barely hear him? But oh, on paper, you can technically say he's singing along. You know, even though you only hear thirty percent of his shitty vocal or whatever. But uh, yeah, I basically uh, just do a rant about like Eddie Trunk and. <laughs> Just the boomers who are like, oh, backing tracks. Did that you guy know. used to host an MTV show or something? He used to host uh, that metal show on VH1 yeah, Classic. Yeah, there it is, VH1, I, yeah, that's which it. Which I actually really liked that show a lot. They had uh, Don Jameson and Jim Florentine as a co-host. So and, would you say, compared to Headbangers Ball, like which one did you like Headbangers best. Ball was before my time. Like I mm -hmm. was too young when that show was on TV, so I've mm -hmm. only I, I haven't seen it. I mean, it, like it had like all the bands that I like on there though being interviewed and shit. So mm -hmm. I imagine I would have really liked it a lot. So yeah, go on over to my channel if you want to check that out. And I'm gonna eat some fucking pizza. Throw down. I started rewatching uh, Wild Country or whatever. Oh, Wild Wild Country. Nice. Yeah, I'm on part four, and it, yeah, it's yeah. really good. We definitely. But I do, I, we got to do. I do want to send you the uh, Alec Murdoch thing though. Okay. I need. I need to find a good. We definitely uh, need, need to do Wild Wild Country. Yeah. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, until next time. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.
in terms of like updates to anything that's happened in my life and i mean i really don't have much in terms of like anything like particularly super crazy when it comes to you know the life of of a retail worker i mean the typical sort of stuff people are stealing stuff and being annoying about it uh you know the typical sort of retail woes with people coming up with stuff that's difficult to scan into the system and then you have to take an extra step in order to get it in there and it feels like you're at the register for forever. Um, what, are, what are you talking about? There's plenty of excitement in being a retail worker, as as we'll find out in this case that we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not not that kind of excitement, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't say it was exciting for you, but it was yeah, no, exciting yeah, for yeah, the other yeah, guy. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. No, it wouldn't be. Um I got like some secondhand stories that I think are kind of funny um, or crazy. I wasn't here the day that this happened, but apparently there was a there was a guest over at my second job. Ugh, I hate how you have to call them guests. Yeah. Customer. Yeah, there you go. You're you're in safe, safe territory yeah. now, Mike. You can just call them a douchebag <laughs> customer. So this customer was starting shit with this other lady at the register who was signing up for a credit card and the customer was doing the whole like oh they're manipulating you and they're taking advantage of you and the customer's like no i want this credit card shut the fuck up like leave me alone (laughs) (laughs) and he's like leave me alone you're being rude and then the lady like whipped out her phone and was all like i'm recording this right now what are you saying you know and it was just this big like just blow up and she was just being obnoxious and rude and just a pain in the ass and i'm like i'm glad i wasn't there for that i'm glad i wasn't the one dealing with it did i miss i have i have zero fucking patience for this shit anymore (laughs) i mean it got to the point where there was one day like last week i think it was tuesday i had the day off but one of my managers basically you know kind of got me to come in because they were telling me that I was just going to be doing recovery and go back some whatever at, at Michael's. And I was like, okay, sure. I could use the extra uh, hours. Cause they wanted to have me on the schedule for three days. And I get there and I start doing my, the, doing my regular thing. And then they're all like, Oh no, we actually don't want you to be doing that. We want you to be on the register. And I was like, I was not mentally prepared to be on the register that night. So I did the best I could. That's when I had the guests who had like the crazy fucking uh, amount of uh, string that had all these different SKUs that weren't scanning in. So I had to take another scanner and scan it with that and then put the thing in manually. But she was nice. She was fine. Um, There was another gal who was just being annoying with her. Oh, I saw this sign that said that these were six for nine ninety nine, but it clearly says that it's for vinyl sheets not for vinyl rolls, but she somehow got the new man, newer manager to agree upon it. So she's trying to take advantage of that and rolls up with like 36 fucking rolls of vinyl. And I'm like, Oh my God. Now, I had to get like the I'm noticing- manager over there and get, take care of that. And then the last manager, I mean, not last manager, that would have been crazy if you had a manager come in and they were the LP, but no, the last, the last guest was this LP who was clearly on something uh, just incoherent and she walks up to the register she's got a massive basket just overflowing 
And at this point, I didn't, I wasn't even I, mentally prepared to be on the register that night. I had dealt with like more shit than I had dealt with at the register in like months. And I, I was at my limit. So I like called the manager. I was like, I can't deal with this. Can you please, can you please come up and take care of this, this customer? Because if I dealt with that customer, I swear to God, I was going to cuss her out. I was going to be like, you aren't going to buy fucking shit. I'm sick and fucking tired of this fucking bullshit. Oh, what, what I wouldn't give to hear a Mike rant at a customer. God, that would be great. Just like, you're not going to the- buy anything. Tell me, or oh, what? You're going to go outside and go get your boyfriend to pay for it? No, that's not going to happen. You're going to try to go outside with the basket. I've had enough of this fucking crap. All the I anger. wasn't even supposed to be here today. You know, the whole clerks <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, all the anger you reserve for bad movies, you just unleash yeah. <laughs> on this person. Hey, um, so, I need yeah. to take like a three minute break. I gotta take a quick diarrhea dump. You can even keep it recording. Um, I this this will be fast, but okay, I, I, there's a reason why all those farts were happening. So, oh, okay. Are you gonna cut it out? Yeah, in post I will, but you, oh, okay. you, we can just keep it recording so we don't gotta redo everything. I'll, okay, I'll be back soon. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, um, sometimes retail can definitely be uh, stressful and I just I just know what my limits are nowadays. And I, I just when I reach my limit, I try to just take myself out of the situation. So that's what I did there. And if I dealt with that one lady with the phone, like that would just be an immediate I'm calling the manager. They can deal with this. I don't get paid enough to deal with this shit. So. Yeah, so that's kind of, I guess, the most excitement uh, other than maybe, you know, going out with a local friend of mine, going to a few places, you know, getting a few more movies and some good deals on some stuff at like a pawn shop, going to see John Wick Chapter 4 in the theater and IMAX, and, and not IMAX, it was the the RPX theater, whatever that means from uh, um, Regal. Um. I, I I really love the first three John Wick films, but I thought that the, the fourth movie was pretty disappointing. Um, but uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in the minority because like the movie gets like a 97% Rotten Tomatoes, so just unanimous praise. And I really thought the other three were a lot better. But yeah, I mean, other than that kind of stuff, just been normal sort of stuff for me. You know, working, and then when I'm not working, I'm just. Uh, taking the time to you know watch some movies and stuff like that i saw a film called the wannabe last night based on a true story of this couple who decided to start robbing uh these uh mob not necessarily casinos but you know these rooms where mobster the was mobsters where you get together and do card games and so and they were like Places that were set up like they're a bar or something like that. And they would go in and just rob these these mobsters blind. Martin Scorsese actually was an executive producer because he liked the script for the movie. Uh, it has uh, one of the performers from from uh, The Sopranos, Michael Imperioli. He's in it. He has a bit role in it. And uh, it stars uh, Vincent Piazza, who was in Boardwalk Empire, and um, 
Patricia Arquette, who uh, who's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, the the two leads are great. I thought they were really good, and I thought it was an, an, an interesting movie, loosely based on the true story. The writer took a lot of creative liberty in terms of telling the story of these two, uh, in in terms of their relationship and how it started and and everything that happened within the relationship. There's also the whole extra bit of like really making this guy into a wannabe, like the guy. He wants to be the next, you know, made man in the mob. So he's trying to get on Gotti's good graces. He's trying to set up a scheme to get John Gotti let off because he thinks he's he deludes himself into thinking that one of the members of the jury has a twin brother or a brother who's in the audience so he could like buy the guy off. And and the the guy in the audience is actually Dougie Doug, who was in Cool Runnings and and uh, a few other stuff. And of course, it's not really a guy who's ready to the jury. So then that caused the guy that that's really what causes the guy to start doing the robberies. And you know, it's the kind of film where things definitely don't end well. But I, I just like the it had a good satire of mob culture and mob cinema and even mob cases. And it was just an interesting story of like a downward spiral of these two people um, who were damaged and broken in 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 a, a certain way and in some ways identically because they were they were very uh, dependent upon drugs and getting uh, high and all this other shit and it takes place in 1992 uh so there's some nice uh, nostalgic sort of throwback stuff like the guy has a bunch of blockbuster videotapes in his apartment and uh, apparently he actually robbed a blockbuster at one point and that's why he got kicked out of whatever form of the 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 mob that he was initially a part of so, yeah, inter- interesting, interesting film. I would recommend it if you're into uh, mob movies. And the reason why I'm talking like a motor mouth, folks, is because, uh, you know, Josh is off taking care of business. So he'll he'll be back um, hopefully sooner rather than later. But, um, yeah, uh, the wannabe... Uh, watched that. Um, watched uh, Falling Down with Michael Douglas again. That movie is a classic. Great example of a broken man fighting broken aspects of society. I think it has one of the best instances of subtext in any film. Uh, it, it, it's it's a prime example of how you can have subtext in a story and in a script and make it seem... Like it's just simmering under the surface and still maintaining a, a, a legitimate impact. Now, like so many movies today where the subtext is like in your face, up front and center, and that's like all the movie is, is like an excuse to just have all the subtext that it possibly can have in it and not really have other elements that make the subtext actually stick. You know, like the strong characters and the interesting story 
And uh, it's a movie that was pretty, uh, let's just say close to the time when it came out in the 90s, but like it's just as relevant today when it comes to people who feel like they're downtrodden, they feel like they're forgotten about when it comes to society, when their employers move on from them or certain situations change and they feel like they're no longer economically viable. And I know the film's been rediscovered over the years and there's been a lot of commentary about people talking about how uh, Michael Douglas's character, he's not really a hero. He's not an anti-hero. He's just a criminal and the film glamorizes things and I respectfully disagree with that. I don't think the film glamorizes anything. He's a broken man who uh, is considered no longer economically viable because the government has given up on him. Oh, God. Lost his job. I'm back. Yeah. Have you been and you've been talking this whole time? Yeah, I've been trying to. Oh, shit. You're, I, I, you could have just, like, chilled and, like, done something else. You didn't have to, like, keep going. No. No, I, I talked about uh, uh, a little bit extra about, you know, some of the retail stuff. I talked about The Wannabe real quick, a film that I saw recently. And then I was uh, just talking about Falling Down with Michael Douglas. Well, then I will be putting that at the end of the podcast as some <laughs> bonus material then. <laughs> Have you seen Falling Down? I don't think so. Definitely recommend that one. It's a great movie. Great, a great example of how society really is, showing all the vague aspects of it, the gray areas. Um, Michael Douglas plays a, a man named Bill who snaps and decides to uh, take uh, his rage and frustration out against the broken aspects of society. Ah, interesting. Wait, is that... No, there's some movie scene where... The guy goes into a fast food place. He, yes, that's it. Oh, that's it. That's that movie. He's like, yeah. "You see that? That look. That looks nothing like the burger that you." I yeah. Actually, oh, okay. I saw. Th- I remember that scene. But yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out because that was a really compelling scene. I was like, "Wow, it's a great scene." There's a lot of scenes like that in in Falling Down. Okay. Well, let me add that to my fucking list of movies I need to watch. Then I actually have a list on my phone, and it kind of ties a little bit. I would say Bill is a much more sympathetic character than, you know, the real life serial killer, the I-70 killer, but it's a similar sort of, you know, going around on a crime spree, a man who feels like he's undervalued. Yeah. 